The Tough Love and Second Chances podcast is written and produced by Tony Bennett on behalf of Edgar and reveals remarkable stories of those who refuse to be defined by their disability. The power of the human spirit shines through with examples of how hope, courage, and the opportunity to express oneself through the game of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. At first glance, it's easy to look at Tom Beard and wonder, why is he playing in an event for golfers with disability? He's one of the estimated 74% of people who have an unseen disability. Look closer and you'll see that Tom walks with a limp, but his demeanour is that of a young athletic 20-something with a quick smile and a good golf game. I caught up with Tom and learned a great deal about club feet, the new treatments that have changed the landscape for those with the condition, and how he's made friends for life at school, at his college, and at his golf club. Tom credits a lot of people in this interview, chief amongst which are his parents, Tim and Jane, and recounts how Dad gave him his first taste of the game that he now loves at just five years of age. Please enjoy my conversation with Tom Beard. So Tom, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while and a great opportunity to chat with you and I wanted to just get a feel for how you got started. So who was it that first put a club in your hand? Through my father, really. He um, he was the first person to get me into golf. He made these made these golf clubs for me to uh, that were super super small <laughs> and um, got me got me going in the game. I started picking up a club when I was about five, um, and then later joined. I actually joined my golf club at the age of seven. Um, say be it not really playing that many holes but it was more just to get me into the environment um get me part of the club whereas I couldn't be a part of a little football club or a rugby club I wasn't able to do that I wasn't allowed to play the other sports um and luckily golf was probably the most um accessible at the time for for for, for, a, for a small for a small little lad with some problems um was to be able to to play that sport um reason being was my dad loves his sport he plays squash and all that but obviously I wasn't able to play that so he uh, he got me into golf at five I joined my golf local golf club Druid's Heath which I am still a member of um at the age of 27 now so been there a while <laughs> you said that you couldn't play any other sports and can, so can you tell me about your impairment yeah um so yeah when i was born i was born with a condition called bilateral talapes um which is commonly known as club feet so that uh deformity was basically where your lower limbs um i.e your feet toes and below the knee um so your, your shin bones etc were all turned inwards um, to the point where your toes are actually pointing in the other direction of where you're facing. So what that means is that you aren't able to obviously walk, the limbs haven't developed properly. And so from literally uh, six weeks of me being born, um, my procedures began. Um, so from being put into... Uh, from massaging my feet and putting them into plastic casts to extend them back into the hopeful original shape that they should be. Um, throughout the years, I've had about 12 operations 
to straighten them. My last operation, luckily, was when I was about 13 years old. So since then, I haven't had to have major surgery. But what the problems I've faced with my feet are metalwork inside. Um, so I've got infrastructure inside my feet to help them be more resilient um, and to cope with the tasks that I want to do still. Um, so what that basically means is that I can't play contact sports. Um, that was that was the main reason for getting into golf. What was those first few years like? Because clearly you were slightly different than perhaps the other people at that sort of age. Yeah, it's true. There's some things that I can remember and others, my sister or my mom or my dad will, will tell me. My sister's younger than me and she seemed to remember a whole lot more than me. But I think it was because I was on a mixture of all sorts of things, whether it be you know morphine here and in, in and out of school as well. That was quite a tough one. Um, so all I remember was I was in a wheelchair quite a lot of the time and when I was out of my wheelchair I was I was really pushed in to try and to push myself to make sure that um, I was exercising plenty working on what I could um, and and do that but when I was at hospital I had all my operations done at the Royal Orthopaedic Hospital in Birmingham and I was under a very well-established consultant called a Mr. Bradish, um, who has been on many of those live um, surgery uh, on Channel 4. He's been on all Channel 4 and things like that. And because of what he was able to do for me then, I can do what I do now. So I'm pretty thankful for that. But in school, most of the time I was in a wheelchair up until at least secondary school. So I can always remember being pushed about my school um, by my friends um, that would always help me out and get me in and out of the wheelchair if I was going to the toilet or whatever. Those things were very common to me at a very early age. And when I look back now, it, it makes you who you are today, you know, and I'm really thank I'm actually thankful that those people were there for me then to make me who I am now. And you're still in contact with some of those guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, massively, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm getting married October next year, um, and and two of those guys from who, who used to who used to help me out are both my best men, and uh, one of the others who used to, Lewis, who used to help me as well, he's one of my ushers. So, yeah, we're very, very close, and it was always that since we were, since we were little. Did you experience any kind of issues at school, you know, any kind of access problems or any kind of bullying or anything such like? Did you have any kind of issues there? Yeah, I got pushed out of my wheelchair a few times. That was that was quite hard to take. My mum would get the call to say, you know, Tom's this has happened to Tom and I think you need to come down to the school. And, um, yeah, that would that would be quite quite frustrating when it, it is because at that age they don't really know why or, or what's going on with with me so they don't know how to deal with it I suppose um but yeah I'd, I'd get a fair bit of bullying and when I was I'd be in a sports class for instance and I would have to sit out on something and I'd be there in my shorts and my my, my legs were you know a few four, five, four or five inches wide at max and um, yeah, I used to get called all sorts of names and things like that. But I don't really remember too many negatives. It's more, it's more thinking back and how did I get round that, or why, why didn't, why, why 
why did my mum stop me playing certain things? But I do know now why. But when you're back then, you're wondering, you know, you're you're being you're being made to punish in a way, if you get my drift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at school, they were really, really helpful. Um, they made ramps and things like that. You mentioned you started to play golf around about five years of age. And then you also mentioned that your last operation was when you were about 13. Yeah. So I, I assume that there were some changes in your feet between five and 13. So when you started to play, did you experience any kind of issues playing? You know, how did you navigate this whole process of swinging a golf club? Well, luckily, my dad was a, a great help with that. I mean, he was there for me throughout the tough times when I couldn't get out on the golf course. So, for instance, he used to take me around on a buggy a lot of the time, obviously. So he'd drop me out and I'd hit, I'd hit the ball and keep me going. And it was more just to keep me in the loop. I, I mean, I would be away from the golf course, you know, months at a time because of operations um one of which the biggest operations that i used to have was called an elizaroff frame so an elizaroff frame is the pin work going through your bone infrastructure and connected to it can only imagine being like a giant meccano set and you would turn the different bolts each day and i had three of those two on my right one on my left to that was the biggest change to my feet. So probably from the age of five till I was nine, they were on my feet and that was the biggest change for me. So probably from nine onwards was where I could finally stand up and fully swing the club um, and and finish as well and not really fall over. So that was a big thing for me to try and I think my dad did the right thing with trying to keep me playing, even though I was maybe in pain or couldn't stand up properly. The, the fundamentals were still happening. So, yeah, it was that, that was the sort of transition I had to make. And going and obviously changing club sizes and things like that was obviously natural for juniors, which is good. But, um, but for my feet-wise, I think to be able to look back now and say that I played at such an early age I was given the chance to you know my dad probably could have said well that's not going to do you any good let's just stop playing for a while but it, it didn't and unfortunately now it's made me a decent golfer today well you're more than a decent golfer you're a good player <laughs> yeah sometimes <laughs> you haven't seen me on a bad day <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like all of it yeah. isn't it did you have golf lessons at that period of time as well did you have anybody who was helping you out other than your father yeah um the professional at the golf club glenn williams um would do his junior sessions and this was probably the, the biggest thing as well going through those those tough times was looking forward to a saturday morning 10 30 for my hour-long session with the junior group at that point at, at druid's eighth and in those junior groups um i've got friends for life from from those um Obviously, we've all grown up now, but we'll all all remember those times where, you know, um, they'd be teaching me something. Glenn would teach me something, and the lad, the the other juniors would, guys and girls would look at him and me, going, "Why are you teaching him that?" And it would just to be, to 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 um, over enhance trying to get through the ball. So, for instance, one of the big things I learned when I was a little little lad was to turn because my feet don't move from left to right 
at all. Um, I've got about 10 degrees up and down movement in the ankle bone, um, but pretty much all my movement then comes from my knees and my, and my hips. Um, so what he then did was I automatically set up with my left foot completely flared out um, over 45 degrees out to the left, being right-handed. And um, that would then mean that I can pull out of the shot, get my hip out the way a little bit to then at least get my hands under my body. Um, and I always remember that when he taught me that, I was, must have been about 12 or 13, just as I was finishing my operations, he taught, taught me that. Um, and that has always stuck in my mind. Um, that was probably one of the biggest, you know, when it's one of those things that you'll always remember from a lesson. That's what, that's one. It's kind of one of your big takeaways that you take with you all the time. You keep going back to... Yeah, and came away on my left foot, yeah. So during those classes, you, you obviously were getting some personalised instruction, for want of a better description, inside of a group class. So he was treating you as an individual. And that's pretty important, obviously, when you're coaching somebody. And so then when you started to play with the guys, because you obviously you play with the other juniors as well. Yeah. So how was your progression? As you mentioned, you had plenty of time where you were away from the golf course. So you'd be improving and then I guess you'd stop for a bit and then you'd have to try and find it again and then you'd start improving again. How was that? I think, again, that, that was something that I'm really thankful for, that I was able to go back and it was like I was there yesterday. Um, that was quite a, quite a big thing. I feel like... Um, being part of a community and a club that that Druids is um, really made me um, feel at home when I went back uh, because I'd be in and out of school, in and out of hospital. When I'd go back there, it 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 like it hadn't changed. So I could I could probably feel more grounded there, uh, which was good because you want to get back to you how you played your golf. So with the other juniors around me, they didn't generally treat me any different to anyone else. It helps having, you know, all my limbs, you know, which is good. So um, at that time, though, I was very conscious of wearing shorts, for instance, because of what happened at school um, and so on. So but besides that and being, you know, and walking, my mom would always used to say to me when she'd be stood on the 18th back of the 18th green watching me come up she'd always know it was me because I'd have this massive dip in height and drop in height because of me limping up the last hole but it didn't matter because I was there I was playing playing my game and um and all the other lads were were enjoying ourselves so it didn't it didn't phase the other lads either at that point I think that's why golf is such a big thing is because people have so many different swings so many different statues that it really didn't matter what feet I had. You mentioned that you were a member at Drew's Heath, but was your father also a member there? He's always been a member there. He still is um, to this day as well. He's been captain there and things like that. So, yeah, my dad's um, my dad's still a member there, and he was a member there throughout the whole time of me, me being there. And what about the golf club? Did they make any uh, compromises for you? Did they have to do anything, or was it just kind of like, oh, this is just another member, just go play? Yeah, just go play, really. Um, I didn't. Um, my, my dad and a couple of the members, quite a few of the members, actually, used to, um, you know, chip in to pay for a buggy for me to help me out and things like that. If I was playing a competition one day and then I was supposed to be playing the next day to play two days in a row. Um, to me, I didn't think there was a problem. 
but um, when I'd finish after my second round of golf the next day um, and I'd be at home and just in pain at home and whatever and um, the guys used to used to always make a beeline to uh, to make me get in a buggy <laughs> um, mm. at least one of the days so then at least I didn't have those long effects that you can get if you're not careful. Tell me about what golf means to you. Golf is probably the biggest influencer on on my life. Um, from being at an early age to be able to play a sport, um, I think if I didn't have golf, I, I 100% wouldn't be who I am today. Um, I feel like golf has made an influence on my life, both in the sports. I've made relationships that I'll always have. Um, it's made my my father's relationship probably the best it could ever be. And also those early mannerisms that you learn, like when I was at um, when I was a member at Druids when I was such a young age, and I'd meet guys who were seventy or eighty years old playing the game, they wouldn't treat me really any different. And I would speak to them how they should be spoken to. So from an early age, I was made to mature quite quickly because I was the one dealing with my problems with my feet, but also um, speaking to guys that were four times, five times my age. So I feel like golf has made me um, as polite towards other people as possible. You play the vast majority of your golf, I would guess, in just regular club life. But from time to time, you play in an event which is for golf for the disabled. Yes. And how did you find that? How did you find that part of the game? Finding Edgar and finding disabled golf was something that I thought might there might be other players similar to me or something like that. But until the door opened to see where where this was, then I didn't have a clue. Um, and it was an influencer called Craig <laughs> Thomas, um, Coach Craig who is local to me and um, that I found out through a friend of mine. He said I was having, he was having lessons through through Craig. I said, oh, right, well, I'll come and give him a go. And then he asked me, so we were having a lesson and he was, I said to him, oh, by the way, I've got some problems with my feet. And at this point, Craig was very early state, well, say early, he was probably halfway through into his disabled golf career um, as a coach, being with ISPS Handa and, and organisations like that. And, um, you know, he asked different questions to what I'd already never, ever had with another coach. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this is this is special. I, I've never, ever been asked these sorts of things before. Like, why can't you move here or oh, we can't do that? So we need to work on using your strengths and so on. So Craig then got me to another level in my golf, but then also got me to a level where he's then involved me in some of the ISPS and the charity events. So the sponsors days they did, played in pro-ams at like the Wales Open and really got me to play on a platform with other players that I'd never been on before. Because as you can imagine, being on a club level golfer um, doesn't have those heights. Um, so he got me involved with that. And then off the back of that, I met many golfers who then, the likes of Richard Saunders and so on, that really then... And Tony Lloyd, especially Tony Lloyd and Mark Smith, that really got me to engage with disabled events. And so my first England Open then took place 
back in 2015, I think it was, at Belton Woods in the uh, England Disabled Open. And I made my first appearance there and I think I finished about 10th. I was really, I mean, I was over the moon. I was hoping for a top 20 in the gross and I finished 10th and all the guys were really, really welcoming. Um, I think that was the biggest thing. You know, I was at my golf club and I thought going to another um, sort of group of people that you never met before and straight away going coming back from my operations to Druids, feeling like home was exactly like the disabled events. And that's how I got into them. So what's the difference between those kind of events and sort of the, the regular kind of club life that you have? I mean, you, you see both. Uh, is there a difference? Is it exactly the same? What are your thoughts? Um, no, the, the obviously the Edgar events are quite substantial when it comes to um, the build-up as well, the build-up and so on and so forth. There isn't obviously, there's more events now with Edgar, which is great. I just need to try and get to as many as I can. Um, whereas club level, there's a lot more competitions going on. Um, so it's not so big of a build-up if you get my drift. But when you do arrive at an Edgar tournament, and you know you're there to have those people around you and the, the aura that you get when you go to an event. It's something completely different because you know you're in a, an amazing environment. You know you're going to be welcomed. You know that the players you're going to be playing with are going to be suffering from difficulties similar to yourself and you're never going to be singled out in any way, shape or form. Um, and that's what that's what I love about the disabled events and long may them continue. Let's move forward now uh, 20 years. So you're now not 27, you're 47. Yeah. And you've already won the lottery. You've already got uh, you know a few million in the bank there. You've got plenty of money. You know what you – so you can now decide what golf looks like for the disabled. So what are you going to do at your golf facility? Because you own a golf course now. Wow. Um, yeah. You've built your own. What are you going to do? Because you, you understand golf. You've been involved in golf before. So what are you going to do to try and help golf for the disabled grow? That's a good question. Um, I mean, it's going from leaps and bounds currently, but in 20 years, I think it would be nice to know that there'd be more people that would be, that would know about it for one. So I, I stumbled across it years ago. Um, but it needs to get to that platform. So I'd try and make sure that at my golf club that there was all the facilities that there could possibly be, whether there be single buggies. I'd, I'd buy lots of different fleets of um, of infrastructure. I'd buy the paraplegic, two of the paraplegic chairs maybe, and and make it make a hub. You know, it, maybe there isn't a, you know, they say St Andrews is the home of golf. I would love to make a golf club like Druid Heath into the home of disability golf, for instance. And I would I would try and push it that way. Um and even host an event. I would love to do that and maybe get lots of other people involved in whether they did be disabled or they are related to someone that is disabled as well. I think that's quite a big thing is that people that still that are physically disabled as bad as I mean as you can get that can't for instance hold a club unfortunately maybe they love the game so why can't a family member enjoy it for them 
I'm going to go back to to when you first realized that you were a little bit different um, when it first came on your consciousness because there were some things that you couldn't do. And there's going to be somebody else in the world right now, and it might be a parent, and they have to look at their child and they see that the child has got a, a deformity from birth and that's going to affect them a little bit in those first few years and maybe affect them for the rest of their life. Mm. So what sort of advice would you want to give to that parent to, to help them to be able to try and make sure that, the, that their, their son or their daughter has the best possible opportunities? I've had, I've had experience of this. One of, my, um, one of my lecturers at college, a guy called Jason Allen, his daughter was born with club feet. And that was the bit where it hit home for me when I was at when I was at my I think I was like six weeks into college at Sutton, and he he knew about my feet because of I was playing for the college college golf team, and he knew about them. So he 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 called me into his office, and I thought I was in trouble or something. And he said, "I want to discuss about your feet." My daughter's got club feet, bilateral. And I said, bilateral, she said, he said, yeah. And he was heartbroken still at this point because the operations weren't working. And she was only three at the time. And at the time, I just said to him not to panic. I mean, I've, I think that's the biggest thing as a parent, I would have presumed. I think my mum was the same. She, she would panic because this is your child and you don't want them to be hurt or be in any pain and discomfort. Whereas actually, on the flip side, what they can do now for children, especially now, actually, this day and age is, is brilliant um, to come over those feats. So that, that really hit home when he asked me that and he showed me a photo of her. and. I, I just straight away it took me back. It took me back to when I was in hospital and what I was going through. And now today she's work. She's I think she's not working, but she's at college now, and I still keep in contact with him. And she's she's doing very well. And there's been quite a few cases. Another lad Noah, who I met at the driving range as well, where I had my lessons with Craig, and he's got one club foot. And he has been through quite a few operations as well. Um, and bless him, he was playing playing golf, um, but also he was playing football a bit as well because he's luckily he didn't have to have so many operations, so they did allow him to play, which made him feel as normal as as possible. But um, going back to your question, from where it hit home, I would probably say because I thought I didn't know there was that many people with that deformity until I met my college lecturer who then told me about his daughter, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm right in saying that this is Club Foot Week. Yeah, 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 quite ironic that we're having this conversation and it's happening, yeah. So, um, yeah, they always do it. First, Normally the first week of June every year is Club Foot Awareness Week. Um, and... A massive charity called Steps is is quite huge and apparent 
in this current day and age because they're raising more funds and money to back um, projects on how to improve the um, physical physical side of getting this deformity under wraps basically once the children are being born and um, I missed the boat slightly with it but there's a, a method now that's coming to place called the Ponsetti method which was by a doctor called Dr Ponsetti who um, has elaborated on using less surgical methods which is brilliant because um, from my operations a lot of my metal work in my feet now because they were done at such an early age I've now developed arthritis around a few of those joints and bolts um, which will probably catch up with me in time when you're saying 20 years time I was thinking about that a little bit um, and he has developed the structure and the know-how now to put these special boots on your feet that turn your feet out at such an early age you your bones can form in different ways can't they and put a bar between the boots to then keep those feet out and you would have to wear those for 23 hours a day until you were four which sounds quite a task but at the same time if it stops people having operations and it stops them having operations throughout their life then it's a given um so hopefully that may continue as well and they keep progressing the the infrastructure what would you like to see golf for the disabled do now how would you like to see it progress i would love to see it's on an even more of a global scale um, i mean it's global now don't get me wrong but when i mean it's it's coming on leaps and bounds throughout every year it seems like um, more and more companies and more and more foundations and the likes of the RNA um, and the European Tour, the likes of those guys are getting behind it even more. So to be starting now, there are some events that we are on that level playing in these tournaments with the professionals. That gives me such joy and gives me that extra passion to better myself, to be able to one day play with those professionals and play on on that level and to be and to be shown on that level as well I think that's a big thing and if we're going to get disabled golf even more accessible people just need to know more about it they need to know it's there and the best way to do that is to get it into those avenues that they are doing now but even bigger and golf in the Paralympics is is an absolute is an absolute given as well because I know for instance when we've played disabled sports I mean I always watch the Paralympics on on telly and you'll watch some of the sports you'll watch them playing the wheelchair basketball or, or wheelchair rugby and things like that and you'll watch them playing absolutely uh, incredible to watch and I think those sports have inclined in people joining them because of well mainly because of the Paralympics whereas we've got slightly other avenues as well with the disabled um with the european tour that can really progress that so i'd love to be playing on that level one day with those guys and maybe in the paralympics is there anybody that's that's playing golf in your circle that you've brought to the game oh yeah yeah um yeah i think i've been a bit of an influence on that as well yeah um my fiance's um my fiance sister's uh, fella um, they've been together for quite a few years now, but yeah, I got him and his father to join up, up at my golf club. They were 
they went up the driving range once or twice and I said, well, why don't you come up Drew his eighth and I'll take you for a game and see what the actual golf course looks like. And next thing I know, about two weeks later, they joined. Um, and yeah, I've got them quite involved there. It's been quite a few. But I think now, especially in the last probably four or five years, where a lot of my friends from school and college that used to play football, rugby, basketball and all that, have maybe getting towards their amateur career in that. And now I'm getting messages from them saying, where are you a member? I want to start playing golf and I'll take them up to Druid Heath and get them involved. And so much so, actually, one one lad who has got the same deformity as me, who went to the same hospital and the same surgeon, a guy called Dan Golding, who hopefully I am going to take with me to some of the disabled tournaments at some point when he gets um, to, to, a, to a level that he's happy with. Um, he's he's picked up the game. He's had lessons off Craig. Hopefully, I've been I've been going to the range with him and I played golf with him quite a few times. Taking him to have a game with Tony Lloyd as well, so that was really cool for him um, to to see one see me play, who's got the same deformities that he has, um, but also to see someone like Tony, who's well visually impaired with his arms, to see him play gave Dan that extra motivation to think. Oh, I'm not on my own. I'm not going to be struggling with this. There is other platforms and other avenues to go down. And it gave him that that courage. So your answer is yes. And it's been on both your standard and also physical impairments. Yeah. So, Tom, you'd be classed as someone who had a pretty invisible kind of disability. It's when you walk, yes, you might see that you've got a little bit of a limp or something, but generally speaking, it's a pretty invisible type of disability. And I know we're all guilty of this. I've done it myself. You know, somebody cuts you up on the road and you think to yourself, yeah, you, sh- you know, why did you cut me up? And, and then you've got to kind of chill out. And I often say to myself, hey, Johnny, just chill out, get a bit of equanimity in your life here. And you, know, you don't really know what's going on with that individual. And, and for somebody with an invisible disability, I guess you experience that from time to time. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I get it on all levels of my my life, whether it be at work and I'll be going to measure a, a house for a customer and um, it may be a hot day, so I'm wearing shorts and I'd struggle to get up after doing a measure or something like that and they'd go, you're all right, you know, you're you're not you're a bit young to be struggling with your knees there or whatever and I go well yeah I've just got a couple of problems with my feet I generally don't talk about it that much to the likes of people like that because unless they want to know if they ask then oh what do you mean then then I may just digress but yeah I get that on a work level very regularly where I'm doing something and um I've maybe tripped over a piece of carpet at work or something and it might might make me sit down for a couple of hours at work because I've strained my tendons or something to then being at golf and get I get stick at the golf club because I've got because I've been taking some of the guys up to Druids to have a game the likes of Mark um Mark Gaze Lloydie a few of the other guys and obviously they're all visually impaired you know they've got metal legs or no arms and stuff and I'm playing with them and the guys are like what are you doing playing with those guys they're 
you know, you've got all your legs. <laughs> but uh, but it's a bit bit of a funny one because you know they they know I've got problems with both of my legs, not just one or the other. Um, so I get some stick on it, but I take it well as well at the same time. Um, but yeah, it can be quite a test at times because you'll get you know people can judge and treat you differently because they don't know about who you are and you are right completely right in saying that you don't know what's happening with that person's life at that point you you just don't I mean I have driven back from the Royal Orthopaedic half a dozen times in the last seven years where I've had to have cortisone steroid injections into my ankle to relieve the arthritis in my ankles and I'd be driving home and I'd have to take it really steady um you know to make sure because my feet are, are touching on for instance and stuff and you're driving home and people don't know what you've just had done really so to say it, it can be tough at times yes and it probably is more so now now I'm fully built when I was a little kid it was probably even more visible because my legs were so tiny and um, I couldn't play sports and things like that. So it wasn't physically, or sorry, visually um, uh, tough. It was visually tough to see now, but it was back then because kids were looking at me going, oh, there's obviously something wrong with him because he's not playing football. Whereas now I'm trying to do everyday tasks, work, golf, home life you know and most of the time luckily touch wood I can still do those and achieve those on a daily basis. It's been fantastic chatting to you Tom I've really enjoyed it it's been uh, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable and thoroughly informative as well so thank you for that. No anytime I mean um, it's always good to to talk about um, it's always it is healthy actually to talk about your problems isn't it as well because it sometimes you don't I don't know if you've noticed it but if you don't talk about even the obvious stuff, then it, then you can neglect it, and then it becomes something else. So, no, it's been I've loved it today, absolutely loved it, and thank you so much for the opportunity, Tony. This was an Edgar Player story, supported by Ping helping golfers to play their best. For more information about Edgar, please visit edgargolf.com. Stay tuned for the next Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. Ping. Play your best. Play your best.